overcomes will inherit all this, and I will become his God, and he will become my son. Father, it's already been such a special morning. We've sung praise to you. We celebrated the supper that your son gave us. We've had scripture read to us and given to us. We ask that this may all soak deep inside of our hearts and souls and minds to shape us and form us more and more into who you've called us and created us to be. And I pray that the words which will now be spoken, may they be your words and not mine. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Seems like it's been a long time ago already that we began getting ready for Christmas. I remember the day we put the Christmas tree up and we talked about the Advent candles and the Jesse tree and all the banners that went up. And, and we've been looking back, though. We've taken a quick glimpse once in a while into, uh, into the future, but we've been looking back, back to, to Jesus, back to, to a cradle, back to Bethlehem. But there's two parts to Advent. And the second part of Advent is, because Advent's all about waiting. The world was waiting for a Savior to come. The Savior came, and now the world waits for the Savior to return. And that's the second part of Advent. And that's why Christmas doesn't end on Christmas Day. Actually, Christmas Day is the first day of Christmas. Then you got 12 more yet, but that's a different tradition, and that's a different topic. But today we're taking a look at what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. And there's that whole, there's that whole waiting part, that, that anticipation part that comes with, that comes with waiting. It's about hope. And in terms of Jesus' return, it's about renewal and, and about all things being made new again. And, and it's all, it's, this is a passage we read often at, at times of, of deaths and funerals because it's a passage of hope. It's a passage that tells us that things aren't always going to be this way. And now some of you have amazing lives, great lives, beautiful lives. But we all have moments of pain and hurt. No matter how amazing your life is, one day you will die. At some point in life, you will encounter death, if not for yourself, for your parents or other loved ones. And that's when the hope of this passage becomes real. And other passages in Revelation as well. Because this is all about 
about changing completely what happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve decided they wanted to be like God. They weren't satisfied to walk with God. They weren't satisfied to, to, to join God in the work that he was doing. They wanted to be God. They didn't want anybody over them. They didn't want anybody in control of, of them. They wanted to be the man and the woman. And all they brought in was chaos. And that's sad because the book of Genesis, the first two chapters, are all about the world beginning in chaos. The first verse says, you know, there was chaos and, and turmoil. And, and then Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 is all about God entering into that chaos and bringing order. Creating beauty and wonder out of mess. And then Adam and Eve reintroduce chaos reintroduce mess into the very, very good of creation, into the very good of their relationship with God himself. They used to walk with God in the, by, the, by the side of the river in the cool of the evening. And, and I've often wondered, what did they talk about? And I often wish I could have walked there as well. Because the reality is, as wonderful as Christmas is and has been, it can also be one of the loneliest and one of the most painful times of the year as well. My mother passed away on December 21st. My brother passed away on December 26th. So for me personally, there's always a tinge of sadness. I wasn't able to be there for either one. I talked with people at the LMC on Christmas. They were there because their family had moved away. And they were lonely. Some of them hadn't spoken to their family in years. Because in the Moving away, there was also brokenness. And that's the reality of life. And that's why we need scriptures like this. See, Jesus, his healing begins already right here with us. With being aware that life can be hard for those around us. That there are lonely people, even in our own congregation. There are those who are less well off and and those moments of reaching out, like Christmas Day, that dinner at the LMC. That's all part of Jesus working in us and through us to bring some healing, to bring some hope, to bring some peace into our community. Christmas Day was a wonderful way of seeing and reaching out to those who struggle at this time of year or may simply be a little lonely 
But the challenge is not to forget them. As we go on with our, our lives and, and into, back into our church family, the, the call is to all those connections we made, all those, all those conversations we had, the challenge is to follow up and, and to say, hey, how are you doing next week? Or in two weeks? To say, it was so great meeting you, and I know that things can be a little difficult and sometimes lonely, and, and that you're looking for something. Here, come with me. There's a family waiting for you. There's a family that, that looks to God as their father and Jesus as their big brother. A family that wants you to be part of it. It can't end with just the meal. See, faith in Jesus shapes us. It changes our life in every part. And part of that is giving us eyes to see the world through God's eyes and hearts that interact with the world through God's heart. And that's why moments are not just to be moments, but the beginning of longer relationships rooted in Christ. That's our prayer. And this passage is rooted in the promise that God will live with us again. And, and we'll be his people. Now for us, we kind of go, yeah, we're so used to this. And, 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 and it's so new to us. But for those who don't have anybody to belong to, for those who are, are lonely, for those who, who have accepted Jesus and been rejected by their family and friends because of it, the, the fact that we'll be God's people, we have a place to belong to. We, we, have, we have a place where we're accepted, a place where we're welcomed. I often wonder why we're so afraid to invite people to come. Because so many people, even when they, on the outside things are looking good, so many people are looking for a place where they can be welcomed for who they are. A place where they're accepted for who they are. But a place and a people that care so much that that they also want them to, to flourish and to prosper. And prosper not with money, but to prosper in, in who they are as a person. And that's why God's put us here, is to be that place. There's this wonderful promise that there to be no more tears or death or mourning or pain. And the reality is, even in our churches, there are still tears of mourning and pain and death. And yet we're still able to offer healing and hope and compassion and love because we know that, that whatever we're going through is not the end of the story. That even in death, that's not the end of our story. Because in death, that's that doorway now to Christ's presence, to sitting at Christ's table with him as the host, looking forward to the time when we join him in coming back, bringing the holy Jerusalem here to earth and welcoming those 
who are still living and saying, now we're all together. I love how Jesus uses the image of a a bride and groom to describe what it's going to be like where we who are here on earth is that bride and we're just waiting for that groom to come. And there's that eagerness, there's that excitement, there's that anticipation. And that even if things are a little difficult now, wow, there's something coming that is going to be just way more than we can imagine. That's why we keep our eyes on Jesus. That's why we, 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 we pray, Lord, shape us and form us more and more into who you want us to be. That's that whole image from Ephesians where, where Jesus is purifying himself a bride. That's us. And then we say, use us. Use even us. Jesus enters in our world to bring order and peace into our chaotic lives and hearts, chaos that Satan loves to create. Jesus goes to the cross to wash away our sin, to heal our brokenness, to make us clean, again, as part of bringing order out of chaos. That's the context of our passage this morning. Jesus' return fills us with hope and knowing that everything that's broken is going to be healed and fixed, that our hurts will be healed, that that life can be made new again, that, that there are new beginnings. John's given this vision to offer hope to all the believers that are being persecuted. This is not an easy time for the church. This is a time of persecution, a time where where the emperor is saying, you know what, I really don't like you guys. You guys just aren't doing the way I want you to do things. You're not not following my gods. You're You're not even accepting me as your god. Like, really, what's up with you people? Come on. Like, you're outliers. Like, get with the picture here. And in spite of of all the chaos that John's living in, peace and order enters. John sees something remarkable coming down from heaven. A new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There's no longer any sea. And John uses specific words here, words that point to to renewing, to fresh life, arising out of decay and the wreck of the old world. And this isn't about new geography and, and, and that. This is about a new kind of world arising out of the ashes of the old, of a new people, a new way of living that's coming. This is about order coming out of chaos, about peace coming out of war, of hope and joy coming out of persecution and poverty. That whole idea of a place with no sea, that always bothered me. I was in the Naval Reserve for for a number of years, and sailing on the sea was something for me that was just amazing. 
And for me, the storms were the most fascinating parts because you realize how small you were and, 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 and the, 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 the going up and the waves and the crashing down again and, and the waves crashing over the sides of the boat for me was exciting and, and it gave me energy. But, but for the Jews, the Jews were a desert people. They're used to putting one foot in front of the other and, and dust kind of coming up around it. And, and, and they're not used to the earth moving under them either. That's why... That's why Mount Sinai, when there was thunder and the rumbling and everything else, scared them so badly. And that's why going through the Red Sea was so hard for them because they're people that like to be planted down firmly. And, and the sea is chaos. And, and even in Revelation, the, the sea is a place where the beast comes from, that, that beast that's fighting against the church and, and against the child and, and against Jesus on his white horse. So the sea is a place of, of chaos and, and, and fear and, 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 and distress. So this place of heaven in the New Jerusalem where it's just a river and where there's trees planted alongside, that's a place of safety, a place of peace. John sees the holy city coming down, a, a city completely different from the Babylon that's been part of the, the rest of the book of Revelation. Babylon's all about personal power. Babylon's all about me becoming a god. Never mind the gods up there. I can become a god myself. And here in the New Jerusalem, God's chosen city is coming down from heaven, sent to earth by God to take its place in his new world order, and Babylon is gone. It is destroyed. And this Jerusalem, it's a gorgeous city. It's built with precious jewels and gold and shines with the glory of God. There's descriptions in, in, in other chapters in Revelation. And inside the city is a river filled with the water of life, lined with trees of life whose leaves are filled with healing. And the curse that came into the world with Adam and Eve's sin, that's all wiped away. That's gone. The effects of sin are washed away too. The city and the people are pure again, free of sin and the effects of sin, free of death, mourning, crying, or pain. The only tears that are going to be found in the holy city are tears of joy. There's so much going on in this vision. There's echoes of creation and the prophets and acts of salvation in the past, all pointing ahead to Jesus' return. And it gives hope to all the people especially those who are, are going to be carrying this word, to, to carrying this letter, this, this, this vision that, God, that John has from God, carrying it into all the churches and into the empire. Because that's not going to be safe. Because these people who are taking this letter to the churches and into the empire are saying, you know that guy in Rome, he's not really the Lord. You know what, there's a Lord that's coming. Man, oh man. Just wait until you see his kingdom. This kingdom that's here, oh, it's got nothing on the one that's coming. And through John, God's talking to all his people through time, telling us that there's hope, that Jesus is coming back to claim his own once again, his people and his kingdom. And it's a picture of us being made new, of all our hurt and brokenness being left behind, as we move forward into an eternal future with Jesus, where we're healed and forgiven, 
Jesus' name, Emmanuel, God with us, will not be completely fulfilled and lived out in Jesus' return. Emmanuel, God with us. I think of the people I met at the LMC on Christmas Day, so many of them lonely, talking to our son in Montreal on Christmas Day, and he's saying, yeah, I had no place to go. Now, while we were talking on Skype, he got a text from a friend to come on over, but still, his day was lonely. And you feel for, for those people. But here, Emmanuel, God with us, is saying you don't ever have to be alone, that you are never alone. Jesus is saying, I'm with you always. And until Jesus returns, there's so much for us to do to prepare for his return. Jesus said, you know what? You got to go out there and make disciples. It's not good enough just to become better and deeper disciples. But I'm giving you the call to go out and make disciples. Just like I made you my disciples, you need to go out there now and make disciples just like I did with you. Invite others in, 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 in joining you in your journey of, of being a disciple. And as followers of Jesus, we work to establishing the, the, the values of heaven here in our communities, values of justice and righteousness, where we care for those who need a little extra help. We build on the good already here. We protect those who are oppressed. We create places of safety for those needing hope and someone to love them so that they know that not only does Jesus love them, but that we love them too. And then when Jesus returns, there's still going to be work left for us to do. For me, Revelation is not the end of the story. Because I think of when Jesus came back from the dead, and he just appears in the room, and how he kind of goes from place to place, and it's like he's so fast. And, and I think, you know what, we're going to get those same new bodies as well. And, and then I look at the whole universe that's out there, and I think of all the stars and the planets and everything else that are still being discovered. And, and I listen to the astronomers who are saying the universe is still expanding and there's still growth. And, and I go, you know what, Jesus, God said in the beginning, you know what, go out, be stewards. Help unlock the potential that's in creation. You know, the word subdue is, is not to, to just kind of put your thumbs down, but it's to help realize the potential and then help it kind of get to its fullness. And, and, and when Jesus returns, we're not going to have just this world. We've got a whole universe out there. And that's, that for me is the amazing part of Jesus' return is that our work isn't done. But a whole new level of work is waiting for us. Work where, where we don't have to worry about sin and brokenness. I'm probably still going to hit my thumb with a hammer, but then I won't say the bad words that come out when I hit thumb with a hammer. But, but to be able to discover this universe that God has created and to join him in helping it reach its potential, I go, Wow. And for me, that's all part of the excitement and anticipation of Jesus' return. Right now, for this time, we're kind of confined to this ball of earth, but there's a whole universe out there still. And I'd just like to end with these words from, from the scripture. 
where Jesus says, you know what, it's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You know what, I was there at the beginning, I'm going to be there at the end as well. I'm going to give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. This meal this morning as well was without cost. And those who are victorious will inherit all this. This is that encouragement to us to stay true to Jesus, to, to, to stay true together and to encourage and to bless and to lift each other up. And I will be their God and they will be my children. That's the biggest prom- uh, promise of this passage. We know who we belong to. We have someone that we belong to. And we belong together. Amen. Father, thank you for these, these scriptures of hope, for this, this vision, this, this, this anticipation that, that, that can fill our lives where, where we can take a look at, at the stuff going on in our life and realize it's only for a time, but there is so much waiting for us. And Lord, it's a, a picture of hope and, uh, and excitement. And, and Lord, for so many people who just kind of travel through life, Lord, this can be the hope. This can be what, what energizes them, what, what, what gives them purpose and excitement about life once again. And Lord, for those who, who, who can't find that right now, Lord, use us. Use us to come alongside them, to, to help them to look ahead, to, to look to your return and, and to, to the amazing world that lies ahead. And for those of us who are already excited and, and, and passionate about it, Lord, use us to be agents of change right here, right now, as we prepare for your son's return. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.